Psalm 37 contrasts for us the lives of the wicked and the righteous. And it talks about inheriting the land. And and that has parallels for the Israelites that were inheriting the promised land, as well as Christians that will inherit this land of eternal life. And I pray that as we look through and we talk about the desires of our hearts and the ways that the Lord fights on our behalf, that this episode will be a blessing to you. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know, I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are reading through Psalm 37, which is a Psalm of David. Do not fret because of evil men or be anxious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like the green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts, and their bows will be broken." 
better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies will be like the beauty of the fields. They will vanish, vanish like smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be cut off. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young, and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed." Turn from evil and do good, then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake the faithful ones. They will be protected forever, but the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks what is just. The law of his God is in his heart. His feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, seeking their very lives, but the Lord will not leave them in their power or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a green tree in its native soil, but he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless, observe the upright. There is a future for the man of peace." But all sinners will be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. There's a lot to unpack here today in Psalm 37. I want to start off by saying that this is a wisdom psalm. And we want to view Psalm 37, like many of the Psalms, against the backdrop of the conquest of the land of Canaan. When it talks about inheriting the land, that's the land that he's talking about. So if you remember, um, Israel pr probably was still threatened with dispossession of the land, because this is the land that the promised land that was promised to them. And so the lesson in this psalm is to trust in the Lord and he will do this, meaning give them the land. That's the land that they're talking about. And so there's always this climate of threatening war or at the very least social violence in the nation. And it kind of hangs around in this psalm, kind of plotting violence against the poor, which is something we see throughout the psalm or even hunting down the righteous to kill them, it says in verse 32. And I, I want to just say that there's a reminder here that social injustice in the ancient world was very much present. Um, sometimes, you know, I think sometimes we get caught up thinking that social injustice is something that we're just facing now, but it's a storyline that the enemy has been using for a very, very long time. And so um, we hear language of swords and bows and, you know, the psalmist uses this seen to kind of describe the fate of the wicked when he's talking about the grass withering and green plants that fade and trees that flourish but then die. And there's this backdrop of almost like good and evil when it comes to those with wealth and those without wealth. And that was very much an ancient Near Eastern cultural thing. Um, 
because they really equated somebody that had wealth as somebody that was evil, mostly because of the way that they acquired wealth back then. The way that they acquired wealth was through conquest or through taking advantage of of those um, outcasts of society. So it was very, very difficult for them to acquire wealth just like a good, earnest, hardworking person. Um, so that's a little bit different than what we experience today. However, I do think that wealth can impact a lot of things not in a good sense. You have to be very intentional um, in making sure that you're being a good steward of God's money. Um, but when we see that, it's like this good and evil. And when it's talking about the the meek or the poor, they're kind of equated with righteousness because of the culture that they were from. This psalm is not a prayer um, like some of the other ones that we've seen, but it is a series of important expressions or instructions that point us to godly wisdom. And so the theme is really dealing with a godly person's attitude towards the success of those wicked people, whether it was financial success or battle success or political success. That's really what we're dealing with here. And then in contrast to that, the frequent hardships of the godly people. And <laughs> I feel like that's something that we still struggle with today. We still see today. So this psalm will teach us that after a certain time, those people that reject God will be put down and will lose the things that they've gained on earth. You know, our riches, if we're not storing up our treasures in heaven, our riches are temporary. And um, the the constant motivation for seeking after riches on this earth is a temporary motivation because we can't take any of that with us. So the the contrast here that we see in the psalm and, and what we would probably see throughout mu much of the psalms is that those that remain loyal to God will enjoy his presence and his help and his guidance. And they're going to inherit a spiritual salvation that has this eternal reward pointing forward to another promised land, the promised land of eternity with God. And so according to the New Testament, what we see, of course, is that the Christian's inheritance is the new heaven and the new earth and eternal security with God. And so that's what we see throughout the psalm is just this contrast always between the wealthy slash wicked of the world and then the poor right now that are going to have a later inheritance. And um, I think the backdrop of understanding the culture at the time helps us understand that. There's a couple different things that I want to read through and, and point out. The first is verse four, where it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I love that verse, but it is very often misquoted. And when I say it's misquoted, I'm talking about um, not necessarily in sermons, but by believers. Believers will take it out of context. They'll just say, okay, well, if I'm following after God, he's just going to give me what I want. And that is absolutely not the case. Um, what we have to recognize here is that um, taking delight in the Lord is the key here. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's another way to say trust in the Lord. And when your desire becomes totally synonymous with the will of God, then it becomes this, this 
uh, cohesive system where you can't desire anything but God. And then your will will be synonymous with his will because of that love relationship. And so essentially what that means is if there is a desire of the heart that is in line with God, I don't believe that God is just this, you know, uh, shopping list in the sky and we can say these are the desires of our heart given to me. Instead, what that means is God places those desires there. When it says he gives you the desires of your heart, it means that he's the one that has given them to you. He's placed those desires there. And so the desire to, like for me, for the longest time, I really felt a calling to write a book. And I knew that that was something that God was calling me to. And then when God opened up the door and I was able to fulfill that calling for my life, I really recognized this, that that God was one that put that desire in my heart in the first place. It was a calling from God. And so I think sometimes we confuse that and we want to kind of use that as a, a quote unquote promise of God to manipulate God into getting, giving us what we want. And that's not what it's saying. This whole verse really means to find your greatest joy and satisfaction first and foremost in your relationship with God. Because those who delight in the Lord enjoy this sense of nearness to God and closeness to God. And they take pleasure in living in God's truth and in obedience to God's word. And so the people that want what God wants, he gives them those desires of their heart, number one to answer the deep cries of their heart for sure if their desires are in line with his desires and his purpose. And then number two, when we delight ourselves in God, we find our satisfaction there. And so if our satisfaction is his purpose for us, then God himself places the right kinds of desires within our heart and then he fulfills them. It's part of this whole process that God has for giving us a purpose and then helping equip us to fulfill that purpose. That's what it's talking about here. Let me skip down to verse six. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Make your righteousness shine like the dawn. Essentially what we're talking about here is that those who are in a right relationship with God, who are grieving over the sin that they see in the world, they're promised a couple of things. They're promised, number one, that their answers, there's going to be answers to their prayer. Whether or not we like those answers, that's a different story. Sometimes God answers with a yes and sometimes God answers with a no. But the whole point of prayer is that we are asking God, inviting God into our situations and being okay with his answer. And then number two, God's defense of their righteous standards. And so while it doesn't always feel like that in the physical, we have to know that God defends us in the spiritual. And so um, in a we're in a political season right now. And I, and I have to think about that through that lens because of where we're at right now, especially when I think of where David was at and the politics of that time. And I think sometimes it can feel overwhelming if things do not go the way that we want them to do to, or the way that we think that God should have ordained things or whatever. But just because something doesn't happen for us in the physical doesn't mean that God isn't doing something behind the scenes in the spiritual. 
And then also it's talking about a heavenly inheritance in later in verse nine, verse 11, verse 34. And then also we learn about how we are given the Lord's sustaining help in verses 17 through 19. And then again in 39. And then of course the Lord's guidance, protection, and presence in verses 23 through 25. And then again in 28. And then finally in verse 39, we are promised salvation. And so what we see is this picture of what God does for those that, that are righteous or seeking righteousness. There's this path laid out, even in the midst of the chaos of what the wicked of the world may be doing. Let me read verse seven. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. This psalm really reveals how righteous and godly people should react when the wicked and ungodly people prosper in spite of their evil or moral practices or lifestyles or politics or whatever it is. And so we have to hold strongly to our faith in God while we're also waiting for him to bring about justice or to defend us or to defend our position. And that can be very, very hard. Patience and complete trust in God while going through the trouble or the suffering, it's only made possible because of the help of the Holy Spirit. And so if we listen to him, the spirit will assure us of God's reward for those who follow him, as well as a punishment for those who are defying him. And it's not like he doesn't see those things. He does. Even if we don't understand what's going on, he sees all of that. Verse 28 says, for the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever, but the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. There's this promise that the children of the righteous will be protected. But then what does that mean? The offspring of the wicked will be cut off. Well, the offspring of, of the wicked in that time frame, in the ancient Near Eastern culture, the there was a fate worse than death for them. And that was to witness the tragic death of one of your children. And so in that time frame, there was even uh, curses written on ancient tombs that would warn of the offspring of anyone that was disturbing those, those tombs would be punished because that, that, um, fate was worth it worse than death. And so it was like a warning that kept people out of those tombs because they didn't want that. And so when it's talking about the offspring of the wicked being cut off, that's what it's talking about. And um, we see that in uh, Zedekiah's fate when uh, there was the slaughter of his sons before his eyes in Second Kings. That's kind of a, a principle of the ancient Near East that I think we just would miss. And I, I mean, of course... Um, we recognize that that's terrible for anyone, but, but culturally speaking, it was like worse than death. I want to go back to verse 11 real quick. It says, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. I want to point that out because when it talks about the meek inheriting the land, Jesus quoted that when he was teaching the Beatitudes. If you remember, he said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
And as we kind of go throughout the psalm, we understand that the idea of inheriting the land, it's a major motif, not just in this psalm, but throughout the psalms. And it, it's really suggesting the importance of obedience and trust for security in the promised land. And so so in, in the immediate, the promised land meaning... Um, you know, the land that they were taking, but the promised land also meaning when Jesus refers to it, the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus kind of expands on this really was a historical reality for, for them, but he expands that into the meek's possession of the earth. And it refers to the meek or, or the poor. That's what that means. Poor meek and poor mean the same thing. It really is talking about trusting in Yahweh and it's implying this spiritual interpretation of being obedient to whatever God is calling us to. I think it's important to point it out that, that Jesus himself is quoting that. There are five references to inheriting the land in this psalm, in Psalm 37. And so Israel initially inherited the promised land as a result of the conquests of Joshua. And so the inheritance that each of the individual tribes received is recorded um, in Joshua. I think it starts in chapter 13. But we have to recognize that even going back to the desires of your heart thing, um, the promised land, the whole idea of that, that was God's idea in the first place. And so this whole alignment of our will and our desire with God's will and God's desire, we can kind of see this thread. Let me point out, I think I have two more things I want to point out, and then we're going to reread this. Verse 15, but their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. There's this retribution principle that we see in the Old Testament. And what I mean by that is the concept of like, an eye for an eye or a tooth for the tooth that we see throughout the Old Testament. So when it's talking about how their swords will pierce their own hearts, I think we can get encouragement from that because it's this principle that the evildoers or the wicked will become victims of their own actions. That's a common principle of justice in the Psalms. But I think even in the, the physical, um, you know, when there are people in our lives that are just wicked, man, if you live long enough, you can see this pattern that repeats itself that eventually there there's consequences um, physically, emotionally, spiritually, there's consequences to those decisions. And so it brings us back to this idea of waiting on the Lord. And let me read it. Verse 34, wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. This idea of waiting on the Lord and this admonition that we see in verse 34 is based on the trust that God will judge the wicked and reminding us that personal vengeance is wrong. As much as we want to, as much as, you know, I'm a justice warrior. I want to fight for those that don't have a voice or that have been wronged. I want to seek justice. Um, but this idea that the Lord, nothing, nothing is missed by the Lord. The Lord sees it all. He sees it all. He hears it all. And that we can trust him that he will make things right. I think that can be a little bit of comfort for us when we're going through those seasons. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to read Psalm 37 again with that insight. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon weather, wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. 
Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of the many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies will be like the beauty of the fields. They will vanish, vanish like smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be cut off. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever, but the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks what is just. The law of his God is in his heart. His feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, seeking their very lives. But the Lord will not leave them in their power and let them be condemned when brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a green tree in its native soil, but he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless, observe the upright. There is a future for the man of peace, but all sinners will be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Father God, we thank you for the promises in your word that remind us that you are a God of justice, that you see and hear and know all things. But God, we thank you that as we delight ourselves in you, you will give us the desires of our heart. Lord God, help us to be obedient to the things that you've called us to do, to let go of the things that we have no control of and to trust you in the process. Lord God, we thank you that there's not one moment of our lives that you leave us alone. There's not one moment of our lives that you leave us alone. We thank you for your presence and for your provision and for your protection. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Hey friends, I just want to let you know that we have lots of great resources for you in the She Hears shop. So if you are looking for something to do after you finish the She Hears Bible study, or even if you would like a Bible to go along with the Psalm study that we're doing, we have lots of note-taking Bibles and journaling Bibles. There's kind of something for everyone in there. And a new thing we put in the shop is something I love. I use it with my teenage daughters, is the real pretty Bible books of the Bible markers. So you, they're little tabs you put on the outside of your Bible and they help you easily be able to see and flip to different books of the Bible. It's so helpful like for church or when you're doing a Bible study to easily be able to see where you're going. So I pray all those things are resources that you will find helpful. And again, you can find those at shehears.org on the resources page. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.